attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Hey, it's Jeff here. What you're about to hear is the recording from our weekly Context and Clarity live show that I co-host with Catherine McPhail. Every week, we bring in a special guest that will help us dig even deeper and find even more clarity around the most popular context and clarity topics. This version of context and clarity is simulcast to Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitch. Oh, and did I mention that they're live? We're operating without a net, so we may hit a few rough patches and stumble every once in a while. But I think these guests and these conversations are important enough that we really shouldn't keep them to ourselves. So with that, let's jump into this week's episode. This episode of Context and Clarity is supported by Twinmotion, the simple real-time rendering solution to create high-quality imagery client presentations, and interactive experiences that help communicate your design ideas fast. To learn more, visit Twinmotion at twinmotion.link slash clarity. This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is also supported by Section Cut, the interactive virtual conference from our friends at Monograph. Learn more at sectioncut.com. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for the Entree Architect Context and Clarity live for Thursday, August 19th, 2021. Hello, Facebook user. Thanks for joining us today. As you get here, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining the conversation from. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff and I'm joined by Catherine. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Hi, Jeff. I'm great. Excellent. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm in Indianapolis, and where are you? I'm in Back- Massachusetts. 
back in, yep. in the uh, Boston, Massachusetts area. Great to have you here and everybody else out there. Oh, hello from Calgary. Wow, we've got a Canadian with us here uh, supporting the entire nation right now. So thanks for joining us. Um, we come here every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern for one reason, so that we can find clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect. And it doesn't matter if you are the employee of a firm or you have your own firm. Maybe you've circled date on the calendar and you said 2021 is my year and you're on the runway to starting your own thing. Or maybe you have had your own firm for a year or 10 years or how many years, Catherine? 37? Well, 37. I'm still in high school, I think, Jeff, but thank you. (laughs) 48 Uh, years. 95 years I've been 95 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what your firm could or maybe should be all the topics that we cover one topic every day they're all the need to know topics for the success of small firm architects just like you so uh let's let's know let us know when you get here let's see where everybody is Tony Roberts in Auckland New Zealand welcome Tony glad you're here uh Facebook user from Maine Let's see, who is that? Maybe Hans, perhaps? If you would rather not show up as Facebook user, uh, we've got a little, uh, got some rules that we have to abide by. Facebook has some privacy rules that say that your information cannot be spread outside of the Facebook platform unless you give Facebook permission to do so. We use Restream here for these live streams, and there is a URL at the bottom left of your screen right now. It's chat dot restream dot io slash facebook or slash fb as in facebook if you would like to show up with your name like janine does like rod does um just go to chat dot restream dot io slash fb and thank you for sharing that christian and you can give facebook permission and you'll show up as yourself rather than facebook user um let's see somebody's saying that um that that doesn't seem to be working. Uh, someone, I forget, I've heard this before, maybe restart Facebook, I've heard perhaps, but uh, that, that's the way, chat.restream.io slash Facebook. And a big shout out too to our listeners on the podcast version of this. If you're listening in the future, hello, thanks for joining us today. We're glad you're here. Uh, we're going to have a great conversation today. We've got a special guest today as usual on our Facebook live or, or our context and clarity live uh, presentations here that simulcast out to Facebook and to LinkedIn, which is where Tony was, uh, to YouTube and also to Twitch. So hello to all of our fans on Twitch. Glad that you're here as well. Uh, Here's a Facebook user that says hello from an anonymous Facebook user who just arrived in Hattiesburg, Mississippi after an amazing 3,300 mile road trip I'm pretty sure that I can figure out who that anonymous user is. Yeah. I mean, I have it right here on Facebook. I don't want to spoil it. Okay. So Catherine is uh, I'm Catherine an eye snooping. On everybody. Yeah, I Catherine's know who it keeping is. an eye on you. All right. Yeah. I'll bet it's somebody named Polk. And I learned this weekend that it's when when we're down on the quarter corner out in the street, it's Billy. And it's not the Polk boys. It's the Poe boys, apparently. You mean that song? You're singing it, aren't you? 
I am. Thank you. Thanks for putting that in my head. Now that that's stuck in your head. Um, Adam from Valparaiso, Indiana. Hi, Adam. Glad to see you. And Mike Maines up in Maine. Sean from Chucktown. Glad you're with us. Michelle from just east of San Diego. Glad you're with us as well. And Kevin up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, as long as, as well as uh, a number of our other friends here. Glad to see all of you. Um, keep it up. Say hi when you get here. Let's see how far this conversation spreads around the world we've already i think we've done it all i mean i don't know how much more we could do because there's new zealand we got africa california massachusetts yeah Yeah, i think we've i think we've done it we've gone from san francisco to auckland that pretty much wraps the globe right there and uh so that that's that's what forgive me but that's what amazes me about these conversations because we have literally wrapped the globe with this conversation already right now. So we are live streaming into uh, architects around the world. And that's a wonderful thing about these conversations. So I'm going to introduce our guest here today. And if you've never joined us before, the format is we're going to have a conversation and you're part of that conversation. So when you have questions or comments, just drop them into the uh, comment section wherever you are, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, or Twitch, or LinkedIn, you're part of this, right? When you comment, we see your comment. Uh, Sarah Lee, you are not a Facebook user anymore. You are Sarah Lee now. Great to have you. Um, Andrew, I see you from from uh, YouTube there. Mark, earlier, a minute ago, from YouTube as well. Um, so comment from wherever you are. Become a part of this conversation. It's going to be a fun one today. Uh, our guest today is an entrepreneur and an author and a content creator that's focused on innovative practice and thinking differently, I think, about the life of an entrepreneur architect. He's a go-to resource for architects wanting to generate passive income, and he's a follower of the FIRE movement. And we're going to talk about what that means. I'll give you a hint. It's not flames. Uh, He's an architect, the founder of the 30 by 40 Design Workshop, and a co-host of the Two Sides of FI podcast and video series, and that's FI, F-I, so think first half of FIRE there. Eric Reinhold, welcome to Context and Clarity Live. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, I'm glad to be here. It's, uh, it's going to be a fun chat. I'm always happy to talk about the FIRE movement. <laughs> Excellent. It's great to see you again, uh, and it's, I'm glad that you're able to join us for this, because this is when we announced that we were going to have Eric Reinhold as our special guest on Context and Clarity Live, I know a lot of people were thinking, oh, 30 by 40 videos, uh, maybe passive income, you know, one of your books, uh, a lot of a lot of things that you have contributed to the uh, architecture community and specifically the small firm architecture community over the years, which, by the way, thank you for all of those things. Oh, yeah, glad to. And when I, when I, said, hey, we're going to be talking about this fire thing, <laughs> right? And started to explain that what that was. I think there are a lot of people that went, what? You yeah. know, what's what's this all about? So, um, you know, they they know you for all these other things, but you started this this new uh, uh, new project, I'll call it, mm-hmm. uh, earlier this year. Um, what what is fire? Yeah, well it's a great, great opening question. FIRE stands for financially independent retire early. And um, the project that I started actually as a side project, um, you'll notice it's called Two Sides of Phi. So we kind of leave the RE part off. And I'm sure this is something that we'll get into talking about. Um, Because for me, the FIRE movement is really more about the Phi. And that kind of is really more the destination than the RE part. Um, You know, 
I think financial independence allows you the sort of time freedom to make the decision whether or not you choose to retire or do something else, or, you know, it allows you that freedom. And I think that's really um, what was appealing to me about it. Retiring early was never a goal of mine. It wasn't something that I set out in my first job and said, well, I really hate drafting uh, bathroom plans. I think I, I, I want to retire early. Um, and if you listen to some of the podcast episodes between me and my creative partner, Jason, um, you'll see that he had a pretty early plan to retire early. It was not like that for me at all. So um, fire was something I discovered in the fall of 2019. And it was really brought to me by my friend, Jason that year, because he said, we started having some conversations and he said, um, yeah, I'm getting ready to retire in 2020. I think March of 2020, I've set my retirement date. And I was completely floored because at the time he was, you know, uh, 47 and same age as me. And I thought, you know, it wasn't something I even contemplated, like retiring early was some far in the future dream. And so that kind of opened the door to the fire movement to me. So he started describing to me, you know, the sort of precepts of fire and, you know, what he had been doing over the years to develop a saving strategy and an investing strategy and sort of leveling up in his career. And we started having these conversations and I thought, well, this, it's kind of a shame to keep this just between the two of us. So I kind of applied a very similar model that I've applied to everything in my practice, which is to, as I'm learning things, just openly share what I'm learning with the rest of the world. So we've actually, although the project just kind of sort of became public, we've actually been uh, recording content since the third quarter of 2020. So now we're just getting around to sort of publishing that. But it's two sides of FI because financial independence is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, you mentioned it a minute ago, your reaction to Jason's you know, say, Hey, you know, retiring early. I think that's really, as we've talked about these types of subjects all week, you know, it's leading up to this conversation today. I think that's the biggest stumbling block for a lot of architects is, well, what the heck retire early? What does that even mean? And and what does early mean? Um, So you two, as you've produced this, uh, as you've worked on this project, and for those of you uh, listening or watching right now, go to two sides of fi.com spelled out. Take all the words, the, the number two, T W O sides of fi, F I cram them all together like one word. So two, two sides of fi.com and you can see the videos. You can find the podcast through there. You can find more information, but, um, as you, as the two of you explored this, uh, and one of the common questions that's come up this week is, where do you get your information? Do you have a financial advisor? Um, how how are you putting together plans for this? Yeah, there's a there's actually an incredible amount of resources online. My friend Jason uh, has been working with a financial advisor. He's been doing that many years. He was in uh, tech out in the Bay Area, so he had sort of earning, he was earning in a different way than I was certainly. Um, And I think he started to realize he needed some help uh, sort of steering the ship. And so he hired somebody um, and 
the people he hired actually have a podcast. So that's, yeah. that's a fantastic resource. So they share all this free information. Uh, it's called the money guy show sounds completely cheesy. I know, but it's incredible information. Um, so that's one of the places. Um, so, you know, part of this two sides of Fi, the two sides are, you know, my friend Jason has reached financial independence and I am striving for that. And so it's me kind of probing him and sort of trying to tease out this information, just the very questions you're asking right now. And as part of this learning process, you start to discover other resources. So there's Choose FI. That's a fantastic podcast, an excellent primer. There are books like Quit Like a Millionaire or The Simple Path to Wealth by JL Collins. So there's there's kind of a whole huge raft of information out there. And it can be fairly complicated um, and a little obsequious to kind of figure out, okay, what do I draw here? Um, but there are some basic fundamentals, which kind of, for me, kind of cracked open the door to what was possible. And if you'd like, we can kind of yeah. talk about what those are. Um, and, you know, the first thing that I said when, when Jason was talking about retiring, I said, well, I mean, how much do you have in the bank? Because I just thought this was just some massive number that you have to have saved up. And for me, it was the kind of thing that really kept me from doing even a, just a basic level of math. So the fire math here is based on a this thing called the Trinity study. So um, there's lots of documentation here. We have lots of links on our website to all of this, all the resources here. But it was a study that was basically looked at the performance of a retirement portfolio over a set period of time. In that particular case, it was 30 years and based on a certain withdrawal rate. And they did a whole series of tests and they determined that generally a 4% withdrawal rate from any given portfolio means you'll still have some principal left at the end of that 30 year period. Hmm. Now, so that's all fine and good. But essentially what this means is if you know what you're going to be living on in a given year, and let's just say it's a hypothetical $40,000. I'm not pretending that works for you or anybody else, but let's just say it's $40,000. The multiplier on that to figure out how much you need to save for a 30-year retirement is 25. So 40,000 times 25 equals a million dollars, which by all accounts is a lot of money. Um, if you can stand to live on $40,000 a year, that might work for you. Um, if you think you need something like $80,000 a year, then you're going to need $2 million. So you can see there's, there's a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. So, I mean, last year was a great year to kind of look at your finances. We were all kind of holed up and just not doing much, right? So easy way to look back and see, okay, this is what I might spend in kind of a, a meager year. And so mm -hmm. if that happens to be $80,000 a year, you probably know that you need something more than you know $2 million to retire on. But it's that kind of simple math and just getting some optics on the finances that really helped me kind of shape this plan saying, okay, well, I think I could live on this kind of an annual spend and therefore I multiply that by 25. And then I start to understand the sort of broad brush of what it might take to save for retirement. And rather than keep it this kind of abstract notion in the future, it was pretty exciting to me to see that, oh, okay, I'm not actually that far off from where that is. And if I make some simple course corrections, maybe I can get there a little bit faster. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, and every architect that's listening to this or watching this right now, 
you know, it's having parameters, right? Having a program, a you know, yeah. to design yeah. to, right? So the, I guess that number is that, that thing. So, um, but there are also obviously a lot of, um, there are a lot of things that can impact that number and how, for sure how you get to that number and how quickly you burn through certain things. So, uh, and, and for those of you listening, uh, if you're watching right now, you see down in the bottom left of your screen, I put the URL for two sides of com, which is, um, as Eric mentioned, there are a lot of resources there. So you can go there. If you're listening, two sides of Phi all smashed together, like one word.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so- and I should say that the withdrawal rate, plays into that. So that study, you know, the 25 multiplier there assumes you're going to be withdrawing 4% of that portfolio. That's where you get the 25 multiplier. Um, And so if you, if you withdraw less then you know, you have, uh, it it will be a lower number obviously that you're living on, but probably has a higher likelihood of success. And when we're talking about early retirement in particular, and there's a lot of people right now who are retiring in their twenties, believe it or not, that's a big portion of this fire movement. Um, you're talking about a retirement period that's much longer, depending mm. on your lifespan, than 30 years. And so the withdrawal rate needs to be needs to correspondingly be lower, um, or you need to withdraw a lot less. You know, you need to right, be able to live right. on a pretty lean budget. Yeah, that that's a really good point. And so when you when you talk about retiring. Right. And for, you know, you you all need to listen to this podcast because Eric and Jason talk about retiring or what that really means or not retiring. So that withdrawal rate can be impacted by a lot of things. And what does, so what does retiring mean to you? (laughs) Oh, this is a really tricky conversation. I mean, it's something, (laughs) as you point out, we spend a lot of time talking about this. Um, and I don't really focus on retiring because I've mm. built a life that where I don't really have work-life separation. You know, it's like, it's work-life integration for me. Mm-hmm. So this whole thing behind me, this studio here is really a part of my life. And it's honestly a source of kind of a point of contention between my wife and I right now. Um, and we have a couple episodes now coming up, the, the latest one that was just published, and there's another one coming up on, on Monday, um, where we're talking about the reality of that, because retiring means you're stepping away from something that's really intertwined with your personal identity. Mm-hmm. Like I really you know, consider practicing architecture and being a filmmaker and author and all those things as part of my identity. And so to retire would mean kind of stepping away from that. But Part of what I've built here, um, and it's a non-traditional practice, I think anyone here probably knows that, um, is is something where I've given up this notion of defining myself as just one thing. And so I'm comfortable slipping between different roles, and that's exciting to me. So retiring, you know, it's just like putting on another pair of shoes. It's just like, I just move over here, and I do this, and I do that. And for in, in a lot of ways, having more time freedom will allow me to do some of the things that I haven't been able to do as I've been serving clients or as I've been tied to a publishing schedule, you know, be, like travel, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, look at fire like a big chance to travel and get out there and do things. And, you know, as I look at my family and I'm sure everyone in the audience can relate, you know, you have family members and loved ones who retire and get sick. And I've seen that happen in my own family. And it's not, I want to take the time that I have while I'm young and healthy and use that to, to best advantage. And so financial independence 
buys that time freedom for me. Um, it's not about retirement. It's about moving between the things that keep me creatively interested and excited and allows me to spend time with my friends and family members and experience the world. And I think t- being tied to a desk for a lot of us, you know, keeps us from living our fullest life. And so that's what it, I guess, means for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's great to hear your story and appreciate that. Um, I think there are so many that, and, and it's not just architects, there are so many who's, who have um, wrapped their identities up in yeah. what they do or, or what they are. You know, I shared the other day in, in one of our episodes that um, my dad was an accountant and he, you know, he's pretty traditional, you know, seventies dad. I'm, I'm just a couple of years or a few years older than you. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, he, when he got out of the army, he went to work for a big company and he was there. And I think, and I, I keep saying this and I haven't, I have not checked this out. Um, even though I should have the other day, uh, I think he retired on his 65th birthday. Right. Uh-huh. And so he worked from when he got out of the army until he, till, you know, the retirement birthday. And so there was a distinct line in the sand. Right. Um, the rest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the rest of that story is mom and dad moved that exact day from Chicago back to Atlanta. Uh, so there's a really distinct line in the sand. Wow. And then um y- you know, he he did what he wanted to do. They were they were very active in retirement. Um um involved grandparents and really passionate about habitat for humanity and things like that. And then almost exactly 10 years to the day he died which is another really distinct line in the sand. And I, you know, I look at that and I go, I don't think that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's very hard. Somebody shared on clubhouse the other morning, I think it was Merritt shared on clubhouse the other morning, the story of a graphic designer, apparently a very famous graphic designer that kind of looked at their life expectancy and said, not the same thing as what I just shared, but essentially the same thing. Hey, I don't want to work to a certain point and then have X number of years to live and not know what my health is going to be, et cetera. And so they looked at it in a different way and they decided to work for a few years and then take an entire year off. I think is the way the story went work for a year, take an entire year, uh, take an entire year off to do those things that they thought that they would want to do in retirement. I thought that's yeah. an, that's a pretty incredible way to integrate things. Yeah, the mini retirement. That's excellent. Yeah, I mean, my you know, my wife has she's a scientist. She has her own lab. She's effectively running her own big business, and you know, that's a so asking her to step away from this. That those were long conversations, and they're not actually fully resolved yet. Um, and in that case. That's a cliff too, as you were describing, because she has a research program and animals and grant funding. And when you walk away from that, that just, that completely disappears. It's not like you can test out at a retirement and then go back to something. It's like, if you go back to that, you're going back to something very different. I think with architecture, um, I mean, we can maintain our licenses and, you know, we can slip in and out of this. And I, and I do feel like there's a part of this profession where, you know, if you step away from it, you tend to get a little bit rusty and you don't know what the latest products are, the latest systems, and, you know, things change quickly. And so I wouldn't pretend that I could step away from this and then just, you know, dip back into it five years later and be in the same place that I was. But I also know that um, I've found things 
just by following my own creative curiosities that I never would have discovered otherwise. And I, that excites me. Um, and so just picking a line and practicing architecture at infinitum is less interesting to me, knowing what I know now, having done all of these side projects and self-publishing and making products and graphic design, all these other things. Like there's a huge world out there and it's a big like creative life that I have a lot of interests and short attention spans. So it's like, it's certainly, it suits me, but I don't pretend that it suits everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh, you know, and so one of the things we, we talked about the numbers, right? There's the 25 multiplier and the, mm -hmm. the, uh, the amount that you think you can live on per year. Um, obviously there are things, time is a determining, is part of that equation oh, and yeah. so on. What are some other things that affect the numbers, I guess, in, in the fire calculation? I mean, there's a, there's a couple of predominant levers that you have to yep. pull, right? Um, you can earn more, right? <laughs> so obviously that accelerates your savings rate. You can spend less um, after tax. Great. That's, that's pretty tax efficient as opposed to earning more. Um, you know, and then you can save and invest the difference. Um, and I think that's really one of the things that kind of sets the fire movement. You know, if you're looking to retire early, if you really want the RE part, um, or you want to accelerate your FI date, the date at which you become financially independent, you really need to start thinking about your savings rate and how you can increase that. And they say, Typically, I mean, there's so much information online, um, Jeff, just, and it's hard to parse. Um, yeah. So, And I hate putting these kind of rules and bounds on it because I don't fit into very many of those rules very neatly either. And I think there are so many gradations of this fire movement that almost anyone can find a place in it. Um, but generally they say, if you want to retire early, 50 to 75% of your income is what you're going to have to save and put away. Um, and not just save and put under a mattress, but you know, invest it. And generally- in the fire movement, we're talking about low cost index funds. Uh, so you want to low drag on your portfolio um, and you just always want to be investing more and more and more. And there's a certain order of operations and there's lots of great, the money guy show has this great financial order of operations, which talks about like, okay, these are the things you need to do first. First, you got to secure all of your deductibles and then they march you down the list. Like make sure you're getting an employer match. If you have an employer who, you know, you have a retirement plan, you want to make sure you're taking advantage of that free money, right? That's guaranteed return. Uh, then you want to do your Roth and your HSA. And then you're, I mean, you can go pretty deep into this, but the point is um, there's a couple of different levers that you can pull. And it, I, I realize here probably the discussion is going to move into this like, okay, well, how do I earn more? Yeah, uh, but naturally, you know, um, the more you can earn, uh, the more of that percentage wise you can dedicate toward savings and investing. And, that will naturally accelerate that timeline. But you know, if you're earning less and you can contribute maybe a higher percentage and you can resolve to live on a lower number, you know, if you can be closer to the 40,000 annual spend a year or you can live in a low cost of living area, um, you know, fire is possible for just about anybody. It may take you just a little bit longer. But the, the goal here in, in sharing this with Jason and I um, is just to put this information out there, but also set it in a context of like, okay, these are two guys who did it and we recognize our privilege and our um, ability to share this information. Um, but anyone can do this using this simple math and these kind of precepts. Yeah. Well, I like the, I like the fact that it gives you a framework. 
Catherine, we've got a comment from Mark, I guess. We do. He says, am I on? Yes. He says, do you have a specific system for saving? Something like profit first? How are you making progress on achieving your number? Yeah, so. that's a, excellent. So, I mean, the first round of conversations that my wife and I had, we sat down, we literally did an accounting of, we did a net worth statement effectively. So you look at all of the assets that you have. And in the net worth statement, when you're thinking about like assets that are dedicated to retirement, it's just those liquid assets that are truly dedicated to retirement. So we're not including things like our house in it, but we come up with this net worth statement. We look at the number, we look at our projected annual spend. So we think it's going to be X number here. And we actually have some of these spreadsheets on two sides of five, so don't bother taking notes. But you know, we we have this number that we're looking at, and all we're doing is saying, okay, this is our projected number. In order to meet that annual spend, we know the phi number needs to be this. And so we take the phi number, we subtract it from what we have, and then we do some calculations. And it's it's actually quite simple. We have my wife and I have a monthly meeting, financial meeting. It's usually around the first of every month. It has, has to fall on a weekend, but um, we have a Notion um, page that's dedicated to this, and we have a financial investing strategy, and it's a weekly strategy. And um, it's not automated because I kind of time the market a little bit, which you're not really supposed to do. But it's easy to automate this stuff. You know, just set up like we take that goal and we divide it between you know the months in the year, and we say this is our savings goal, and you know it's it's pretty granular because we're saving for a kid's college. We're saving for other sinking funds like a new car or a new computer. And so it all fits into its nice little line item. And then the, the fire um, savings goal is attached to that. And that's the biggest number of all of it. So that's the one that gets definitely gets a weekly buy. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it sounds like a sort of a, a cross between profit first and maybe a Dave Ramsey system, and um, you know, the, which I think in a way they're all kind of related. Sure. Yeah, that's that's great to lay it out. I mean, it is relatively simple at that point. I mean, I think the important thing is that every dollar has a job. I think you know, before we had really optics on the finances, uh, every dollar just kind of went where at our whim, and I think you know, everybody does this. I mean, we were subject to lifestyle creep and, you know, we were buying things we probably didn't really need and money was just sitting in an account and not working hard for us. And I think when we started looking at these things, we, you know, we started to understand that we're only hurting ourselves by not learning more about this. I mean, we didn't have a brokerage account until 2019. Like that's pretty embarrassing for me to say. Uh, I thought the retirement account was, that was going to solve it. And when Jason, my friend Jason said, so what's your cash account like? And what's your brokerage account like? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> so, I mean, if you're coming to this and all of this is like, wow, I don't have any of those things. You are definitely not alone. Um, but you know, not knowing about it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt you in the end. So it pays to actually invest a little bit of time and learn about that. Because especially for early retirees, if you're planning on retiring before 65 in the US, you need to come up with a bridge between whenever you retire and 65, because you can't access your retirement funds very easily. Um, so part of that is developing a strategy of post-tax investing. And so, you know, we're, we're generally maxing out our, um, you know, pre-tax stuff every year. And then we're, we're contributing to the post-tax stuff too, because we need that bridge. Yeah. I don't know if everybody out there caught this, but when you said every dollar has a job, uh, that that's, 
that's a pretty amazing statement. I think I'm, I'm not a tattoo guy, but that seems like that's tattooable. <laughs> Maybe like on your forehead backwards yeah, so right. you eat every morning or something, something like that. Yeah, that's that's a, that's that's a really powerful statement. Every dollar has a job. Yep, there it is. Um, Rod mentioned something that that is um, it, it's a <laughs> it's something that I'm really concerned about, and I know a lot of people are concerned about. But the idea of healthcare. Um, you know, not to make this a political or anything else. I don't, I don't think healthcare ought to be a political conversation personally, but, um, but that's a big unknown in the United States. It is. Yeah. It's something that we're talking about. We have an upcoming episode on this. We brought somebody in from a large pharmaceutical who does healthcare for thousands of employees, um, because we wanted an expert to, to help us figure that out. And it's a very difficult topic. And I feel Mm actually pretty uneducated about it when, when we were talking uh, with her. So, I mean, I look forward to sharing that information. The ACA, the Obamacare, you know, America Cares Act, there are healthcare exchanges. Um, you know, if you're a small business owner and you're buying healthcare right now through a group plan, there's lots of different options, but it's all, uh, it can be very difficult to figure out because it's, there are, you know, maximum out of pockets and deductibles and silver plans and gold plans. And, um, there are actually fire websites that are specifically dedicated to helping people figure out, uh, health insurance in FI. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I can send you some of those resources, um, because That'd it's be a tough space to navigate. Um, and there's actually podcasts on it. I mean, it depends on how deep you want to go, but it's, I mean, it's a great point because healthcare is going to be a massive expense if you choose to mm-hmm. retire early and stay in this country. If you live outside of this country, um, you know, as an expat and buy insurance and agree not to be in the country for more than six months a year, you've got it made because it's super cheap. I mean, you can get a very affordable healthcare policy if you decide to live in Costa Rica or Portugal um, mm-hmm. and still maintain a house here. Um, anyway, it's, that's probably deeper in the weeds than we need to go. But yeah, it's a serious topic. Yeah, I, well, mean, I, mentioned- I, well, I was going to say I spend like thirty two hundred a month on 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 health insurance. Yeah, that's it's incredible. So, it's expensive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it it does factor in too um, when you say retire early. You know, if you have a business and that's a business expense, and maybe you're employing a spouse or something, there are ways to think about these things. And I think all of this kind of circles back to this idea that you really want to put a lens on this and, and look about these, look at these things um, objectively. And um, it just allows you that more information just allows you to make better decisions. And um, I think for a long time, what I did was just ignore it. And I think that's kind of been this financial reawakening for me has been really eye-opening. And and it's why I want to share it with other people because it's all the information's out there. It just means you have to dig a little deeper to, to find it. Yeah. Yeah. It's what it, um, you mentioned earlier, sorry, lost my train of thought there. You mentioned earlier in, in your different investments account, investment accounts at HSA. So the health savings account, um, sounds like you are investing in that as well or using that as a tool as well. I don't have the, okay. I don't have access to that because I'm on my wife's health insurance plan because Got she it. works. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if you do have access to that, 
um, that is considered to be a triple tax advantaged plan. So it's a really valuable asset to have. Um, and so a lot of people in the fire community will use the HSA as an investment vehicle uh, because you get a deduction for putting money in uh, and you don't actually pay any tax on, on earnings. Um, so it can grow tax free um, and you can use it to pay for healthcare expenses at any point. So you're going to keep track. Generally, the fire movement keeps track of healthcare expenses along the way, lets the HSA grow. They don't do disbursements from the HSA. They let it grow over a period of, you know, 20, 30 years. And then they use that growth to fund any healthcare costs, let's say that they've mm -hmm. aggregated over time. I, that's not for everybody, obviously, but it's a great tool if you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things. It's a, like you said, it's a big, big topic, <laughs> big space, uh, especially yeah. in the United States. Um, as there you go. Well, I, I just think, you know, I, I just listened to your podcast talking to your wives about mm -hmm. not you have two wives, but you and Jason talking <laughs> to your wives and, um, yeah, part of the whole problem, or then Wendy also said that her spouse is older, a lot older than she is. He's already semi-retired. So it makes it harder. It seems like you did a good job of it, but it seems like that's a hard thing to come to consensus with the other person in your financial relationship. That can be kind of tricky. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, it's it's a big thing that I think a lot of people face. And I'm lucky, and I think Jason was lucky to have pretty good alignment there. Um, but honestly, um, if I asked her to leave right now, she would not do it. And so there would, you know, <laughs> there would, there would be, uh, a lot of conflict there. Yeah, no, I, but I think, you know, finances, and it, we waited, uh, I think 13 episodes to bring our spouses in, which was kind of a mistake because this is a conversation that was actually happening in the background between us for, you know, a period of years. And I think if anyone who's contemplating this, you have to get on the same page with your finances. And I think many people, I know in my house, um, financial discussions were always fraught with a lot of emotion and it, a lot of negative emotion because there wasn't a lot of money. And so money wasn't talked about and it, it didn't actually solve the problems at hand. And I think when my wife and I at various points in our life, let's say when we were ready to buy a house or when I was starting my business eight years ago, um, you know, these points in time, we regrouped and really sat down and developed a broad financial plan for tackling what are pretty significant financial um, decisions. And that required both of us to make those decisions. You know, when I started the business, that was on her to provide all the income until I could get this thing on its feet. And so, yeah, it requires buy-in. And uh, I don't have the answers because I don't pretend that it's an easy discussion. And certainly if your ages are spread far apart, it's a much different discussion, um, but it needs to happen. Now you've probably heard of Zaha Hadid Architects. They're one of the world's best known firms. And when it comes to innovation, they're big fans of pushing boundaries. The team at ZHA has started using Twinmotion, a simple real-time ArcViz tool that lets you instantly visualize ideas and clearly communicate those ideas to stakeholders. ZHA designer Marco Magetta says that the benefits of using Twinmotion for designers are the simplicity of the interface, the playfulness with which you can articulate your scenes, and not having to worry about all the technical aspects that real-time usually brings, like light maps, PBR workflows, or other technical details. 
Marco also loved Twin Motion Cloud, which lets any member of the team access a project from their web browser without a single download or installation. The project manager can access the model, review it, and immediately give you feedback anytime from anywhere, says Marco. To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link slash clarity. That's twinmotion.link slash clarity. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know in near real time whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and team members all in one place. What's the best part of Monograph? And this is a big one for me. It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. And to underscore their commitment to the architecture community, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with a goal of improving their business. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. Yeah, this week we sort of mirrored part of part of your episode list of of two sides of five. We started out Monday talking about your financial past, um, meaning you know where did you learn the mindsets and your relationship, yeah. and where did all that come from? And I, I think you know I, I can't I can't exist on my own, or I don't exist on my own. I guess I, sh- I should say, um, and I think it is di- it is difficult when you may have different financial paths, financial histories and, and, and learning, but, you know, as, as a, as a unit, I guess we've got to figure, figure that out. Yeah. And couples have different approaches to, you know, is it one pot of money or is it divided or are there different buckets? And, you know, Laura and I, my wife, uh, we treat it as one kind of fungible source. And I don't, we don't draw lines on like, oh, you know, that's your spending money or whatever. It's just kind of one thing. But I know there are people who are not like that. Um, and yeah, but I mean, these financial discussions, they're very hard to have. Uh, <laughs> But it doesn't mean you shouldn't have them, and I, and I think that that that's one of the things about having this conversation about retirement. It's like you're going to retire at some point, right? I mean, unless you plan literally plan on working until you hit the grave, um, mm-hmm. so you might as well have a plan for it, right? And it has to look like something. And as architects, we are naturally planners, and so I just have a higher level of comfort when there are some guardrails around the whole thing. Yeah, and I think that you know, leads us to the inevitable, which you mentioned earlier is, okay, fine. We've got this number and we've got savings, but the problem is, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier increasing your income. Well, I can't increase my bandwidth. Uh So how do I increase my income? Well, there's, I mean, there's lots of ways to do this. Um, and I think it, it, 
it requires changing. And, and I mean, we were talking about this in the green room kind of beforehand a little bit. Um, how uncomfortable are you prepared to get? Um, and usually for me personally, um, big changes have come only when I've become so uncomfortable with the current situation that I have to make a change um, for the better. And I think, you know, one of these steps may just be sitting down and looking at the, the bigger financial picture and deciding, okay, well, I'm not saving uh, enough to reach my financial goals. And if that savings number is let's say 20%, and I'm not pretending that's the right number, but let's just say it's 20%. Well, okay, so that means, Jeff, you need to earn 20% more uh, next year, right? So how do you do that? Um, if your employer came to you and said, you're taking a 20% pay cut, we want to keep you on here, what, what would that do to you? Well, at that point, if I needed to earn 20% more, but I'm taking a 20% pay cut, that means I'm probably looking for a new job. Yeah. So that's part of the thing here. You have to find other sources of income or you have to be willing to make a big change. And yeah. I think if you really want to invest in this as, as a savings strategy, and I'm, you know, 20%, 50%, I don't care what it is, but whatever meets your savings goals, you have to do some uncomfortable things. And for me, what I chose to do was, you know, create passive income sources. And I, I did tune into, um, I, I looked back at one of your Facebook um, recordings from yesterday, yesterday, I think it was. Yep. Yeah. Yesterday. And saw all these like really fantastic ideas. Everyone's throwing out like, oh, I could do this, I could do that. And um, I did, but I didn't see in there what is like a, just the kind of basic tenant of the fire movement. And that is pa for passive income, it would just be investing like passive income, you know, investing in, um, you know, stocks and I so low cost index funds. And that's, that's a number one passive income strategy. And I, I think we, we oftentimes think about, okay, well, I have to go out and make this and make that. And I just don't have the time for that. Um, and my preference is always to invest in the thing where I have to do the least amount of work. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. as we start talking about some of these passive income sources, everyone recognizes there's active, you know, time inputs to creating a video or, you know, right. making a product or selling something digitally. Like it just doesn't just happen there. Um, so, you know, that would be my step one for passive income sources. If I then move to kind of the, the government definition of passive income, it's like rental income, right? You're right. buying a piece of property and then you're renting it out to somebody else. And as architects, we are especially, you know, geared to, to serving that market. Right. So I think there's lots of opportunities there. And, you know, I know the pushback is going to be, well, geez, I can't get a loan or that requires investment. And yeah, all like all of this requires either a time investment or a, some sort of a monetary investment upfront. And, when I was first starting to build my business, I had more money than time. So I just started investing in like these little passive income products. And so like if I was working with a client and they needed something like a programming worksheet, I was just going to make a video about it. And then, you know, I would, if someone in the comments said, Hey, I'd like to get that spreadsheet. I just basically sold it to them. Um, and that's where those products begin. And they're just like, they're little tiny little things. Right. And if you're thinking about how those aggregate to earning a lot more income, um, you know, I think you need to either think at, at scale or you need to think about how you're going to solve more expensive problems, right? Bigger sure. and bigger problems. Um, and I don't think, I know you were talking a little bit about um, how could I earn an extra $50,000 a year? Yeah. And I think to me, the more interesting question might be, you know, how could I earn $100 a day or something like that? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, or, that's, that's a great way to put it too. A great way to break it down. 
and just have like a smaller goal. Um, it's, it's actually how I track the passive income in my business. There's daily track and I have daily targets that I have to meet. And, you know, those can grow over time, but you don't have to start with a thing that's $50,000 a year. It can be something smaller. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's weird because, you know, I, I couldn't have predicted where the YouTube channel went um, for me. Right. And that is one of the big drivers of passive income in my business because it's got a big audience now. Um, but what I did there, can, anyone can do. Um, I mean, if you go back and look at my early videos, they're, <laughs> they're complete garbage. They're really kind of embarrassing. But the reason I leave them there is to show other people that, you know, this is a journey. It's not, it's not a straight line from here to there. It's a, you know, it looks like this. It's, it's a lot of failures. It's, it's just trying things, um, and failing and learning and getting better. You know, that, that idea of Kaizen continual improvement, um, and always trying to help people. I think the YouTube channel for me right now is kind of, um, and any income that it produces is a proxy for the value that is created by it. And I think when you're thinking about passive income earning products, that's what you need to focus on. Like, who is this going to help and how can I help that person? And it may take you 125 videos to get to the point where you're helping enough people where that aggregate passive income actually makes a difference. But I mean, you'll know from having recorded, I don't know how many podcasts here, uh, it takes a ton, of, a ton of time and investment and effort. And you have a very specific person that you're trying to help here, right? And mm -hmm. at some point that starts to come back and pay you back um, and in actually really unexpected ways. Uh, I've never gone out and sought out advertisers, but I'm talking to advertisers that I never would have dreamed of talking to before. And I'm just like, I'm one guy in the middle of nowhere. Um, and if I can do it, anyone can do it. And, and I hope that's inspiring to people. Um, it just does take extra effort and initiative and sticking through it, you know? Yeah. There's another good, uh, another good question from Mark here. How does risk calculate in FI? Is risk part of the equation or do you stay focused on low risk investments? Like I bought some GameStop stock recently. <laughs> oh. That was a pretty sure thing, I thought. Yeah, I'm yeah. Pretty sure I'd be uh, five by now. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I wish I got in on that game, but I did not. Um, I mean, you know, risk has to play um, a role in your portfolio and there's, you know, there's risk capacity and um, there's your risk tolerance. So I have a very high tolerance for risk. Um, I invest in crypto and, you know, various other things. And for me, I just limit that to 1% of my portfolio. So I feel like that's a pretty standard good guardrail. I mean, this isn't investing advice. I'll just uh, preface by saying that. Um, but I think it's okay to have some of those kind of risky, fun assets if you are investing and that keeps you active and interested. It should not be the bulk of your portfolio. I think if you look into the the research around um, you know low cost index funds, it's it manages risk for you in a way that um, I'm certainly not prepared to do. I, I can't pick individual stocks, and my friend Jason has an actively managed portfolio, uh, working with investment advisors. And you know, if we compare the returns, yeah, overall, is he going to have a bigger portfolio at the end of the day? He probably will. Uh, but I'm planning my portfolio based on what I can afford and the level of risk that I want to tolerate, and also the level of engagement I want in it. Like, 
a low cost index fund is kind of a set it and forget it strategy. And I really, I like that. Um, and you can rebalance once a year if you have some mix of stocks and bonds and that will get you pretty far. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, speaking of the risk, obviously, I guess this is Mr. Obvious talking, but the risk at some point is going to perhaps bite that number. You know, if, if you're basing That's it on a certain number, you've got to really be paying attention to that. Yeah. And it, I, I think if we're, if we really want to dig into the risk, there's a great tool that you can go to right now. It's called C fire sim. And all you do is you pick your retirement date, you pick how long you think you're going to live, uh, which is kind of a strange exercise. Um, <laughs> you put your number in, right? Your, your annual number and what you have saved so far. And it does a projection based on 128 different, you know, stock market years. So it'll start in 1960 and it'll end in whatever, you know, 40 years later, whatever you input here. And you can see the simulation, like this portfolio failed, you know, uh, six out of 10 times or whatever it is. And they'll give, they'll actually spit out a number to you. So you can, you can build confidence that way. And they do just kind of, uh, you know, they'll, they'll allow you to set your allocation. So let's say you have, you know, 90, 10 stocks to bonds and, or 99 and 1% in crypto, you can set the allocations there. And it's these kinds of tools that really model it out in great detail, um, that can help build confidence in this and to make sure that you're not really running the train off the rails here, um, because you definitely don't want to run out of money. Um, and you can also, you know, if you're closer to retirement now, you can also input social security. Like if you actually think you're going to collect social security or you can choose to leave it out and maybe that's your kind of insurance policy. Um, so it's a great tool for just looking at it in more detail um, than I was actually prepared to do initially. Yeah, that's very cool. So up on the bottom left of your screen right now is that URL at C as in the letter C fire sim.com cfiresim.com so check that out i just glanced at it real quickly while i was grabbing the url <laughs> and it's like oh i could yeah. i could play with this for a while <laughs> yeah that's pretty fun <laughs> all right so i know we would be remiss because there are a lot of people who are going to want to know this you know you're talking about passive income and that's how a lot of this community knows you sure. um, or, or at least in part um, through your book uh, your, or your second book was, uh, was really about passive income and, and, uh, a lot of your videos and things, um, are, are generating passive income, obviously, as you described and about different, uh, different ways. So one of the things that has intrigued some is as, and you talked about this in one of the two sides of fire episodes, that your percentage of passive income is now actually quite a bit higher than your percentage of income from client work. So maybe going back to that, you know, a lot of people, their identity is wrapped up in being a thing. How, how do you balance that? You're a content creator, maybe mm -hmm. income generator, passive income generator, and you're an architect do you, how do you balance those things in terms of your identity or does it matter? I mean, you talked about integration earlier. I mean, I personally, I like that. It, when I first started the business, I thought, wow, people are really going to look down on me when I'm not publishing a new project every single year here in my portfolio. They're just going to look at me like, you know, oh yeah, he's just kind of a YouTube creator or whatever. Um, and, and people do look at me like that and that's totally fine. Um, and, 
And so I think that th- that was definitely a process that I had to transition away from just being one thing. Um, but what I discovered was, you know, I was never just one thing. Um, there may have been a short period of my life where I defined myself as that, but really setting up this business as kind of an entrepreneurial practice, that's the thing that allowed me to just be more comfortable being all the things that I wanted to be. Like I, I love taking photographs. I love making videos and searching for music for the videos and, you know, playing around with lights and cameras and microphones. And now I like podcasting is really interesting to me and audio, like all these things can be a part of a creative life. And it doesn't just have to look like architecture, like the, the manifestation of my creativity doesn't just have to look like a building. Um, and I think it just requires you, I mean, that the thing I like about the fire movement is it requires you to live an examined life. And I think if what you're doing now and where you're at from an earnings perspective and what you're saving for, if it makes you happy, there's no reason to change that. But what I discovered was I was working with a lot of different clients and I was feeling nothing but stress and I was not enjoying all of the headaches that are associated with, I'm sure mo- a lot of people in your audience feel all these pressures right now that you're, you're getting calls all day long from contractors and angry owners or, you know, changes and it's like budgets, all that stuff. Like, and I just realized that if I was going to build a career around doing that for 25 years, I was not going to be a happy person at the end of that. And I decided to make a change by just basically saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this kind of project anymore. I'm just going to wait around for this kind. And that forced me to do things, you know, we're talking about if you were forced to take a 20% pay cut, like it forces you to do things you might not otherwise do. And that forced me to say, okay, well, where can I make up the other income in this? And I just developed a, you know, a flavor of practice that worked for me, um, working with one client at a time. We make a video about whatever we're working on. Like we're redesigning this bathroom now and we're, I'm researching these Japanese soaking tubs. Like it's, it's awesome. Like I I love, like it's, it's amazing. And I get to then make a video about it and share it. And that information will just kind of build this flywheel of advertising revenue and affiliate links. And like, I don't pretend that that works for everybody, but it's kind of nice that it works for me. I'm glad that I found something that works for me. And I do also feel like, architects are creative enough that they can find their own flavor of this if they're not happy with what's going on in their financial life. And it, and it really can be um, pretty life-changing. I think um, there's a lot of limiting beliefs around uh, what creatives can earn um, in a month, in a year. And I certainly, you know, one of my heroes is Pat Flynn, a former architect um, who I know you guys have talked about before. Um, I mean, when I heard his income reports of $50,000 a month, I was like, uh-uh, <laughs> like impossible. But it really is, um, it, it can be a real thing. And and I, I don't want people to feel limited by their current financial situation. Um, I, I would encourage people to, to look outside of, of where they're at now and really envision um, where they could get to um, and make a plan for it. Yeah. I, one thing I've always appreciated about your approach, and I know Pat Flynn has a similar approach. Uh, sometimes he he's, does a lot of things, but um, this idea that as, as you're learning, you can use that as a tool to create a video or, or you know, some sort of passive income product. And I think, I, I don't know if that sinks in with anybody else, but it's like the stuff that you're doing all day, every day can be leveraged into exactly what, uh, what Eric is talking about here. And, and I just, 
when I, you know, I heard that and kind of figured it out. I mean, that's, that in itself is pretty transformative. I mean, that's the, that's the idea of like document while you're creating. And I know it, like, it feels like a lot of extra work. And, and I know, um, you know, we were just talking beforehand, Catherine, you said like, I already have a thousand things to do. I, I don't need like a thousand more things to do. But the idea with this is just to be efficient with your time. Like, you know, growing up my mother, and I told the story on the podcast, the two yeah. sides of five podcast, like, you know, she taught me to get everything that I can out of all that I had. She would make like a thousand meals out of one chicken. It was like, it was pretty incredible. Um, and I didn't develop that same skill with respect to cooking, but like, if you think about the work that you have on your desk, there's a lot of different things baked into that. There's all of the knowledge up here, um, that can be then turned into extra income for you. I mean, there's no, you're, it's, it's just going to waste if you're not sharing it with other people. It's this, it's like the same logic I pl- applied with Jason and I making two sides of Phi. you know, that, that is now another income stream for us. Um, and it's, I mean, I don't know where that's going to go, but I, I think it's possible if you just turn the camera down on your desk and say, what is it about what I'm doing that other people would find valuable? And I can guarantee, I mean, I get uh, emails from homeowners every day asking the same 10 or 15 questions. So, um, I mean, there are so many videos that could be made or information products that could be made around just a small subset of those things that could lead to who knows what. And it's, I mean, in itself, it's a, it's an incredible marketing device, YouTube, um, for bringing great clients into the practice, um, so that you can pick and choose. And, and so I think there is some kind of nice magic to it. And, and I certainly don't want to be the only creator on YouTube that is like being the, (laughs) the representative for all residential architects. Like I want other people to have a voice too. It's not just my voice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Catherine, I've got to, I've got to share this one from Mark. Oh yeah. I, I, you know, I just, I was going to put that up there, but then I didn't want it to look like I was only putting Mark's comments up there. So well, your yeah, it's always <laughs> important to have your cocktail party one liner. So I don't know what mine is. Don't ask me. So, so when somebody says, so what do you do? What do you say? <laughs> oh, well, you know, I still say I'm an architect, but I also say that I'm a content creator. So, I mean, I really do think of um, the the creative part of making content as being as something that I feel was something I discovered that I didn't really know existed, um, and it's I really enjoy it. And I mean, I think I hope you can see it come through on the videos that like those things are um, they're little pieces of art for me. And you know, basically creating creating a building is it's a multi year endeavor oftentimes, right? Um, unless you're doing something really simple and distinct, but um, I, you know, like I said earlier, I just don't have the patience for that sometimes. So being able to make a video kind of satisfies all those creative urges um, in a way that I hadn't really expected. So architect and content creator, I guess, um, if I had to say. Yeah, well, we have a better suggestion for you right there. I oh. am a YouTube star. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> you should just get used to saying that because that's Ouch. the truth. <laughs> I appreciate that, Christian. <laughs> So, I don't call myself a YouTuber. No, that's, that's kind of, uh, I don't know if that's. Well, it depends on what kind of party you're at because someone, I you guess. know, my daughter's age would be totally into that, that you were a, a YouTube star. So yeah. yeah okay. You're an influencer. How's that? Influencer, I guess I'll take it. Sure. <laughs> so l- let me ask one more question. Um, 
you know, we, we, we've been around, around the horn here. It's been fantastic. Um, and, uh, again, I know a lot of the folks that are watching, listening right now know you, um, in a large part because of your work teaching, teaching how to do, well, teaching in general, but also teaching about passive income. So knowing what you know now, if you went back, what would be the first passive income product you'd create? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty hard to give up um, the path you, you came from, right? Because, yeah, yeah. And, and this is the thing, I, I'm always asked by people um, for kind of the shortcut, like, okay, oh, yeah. like do that. Like, Hey, what kind of plant? I'm thinking about doing plants. Should I do it? And, and my advice is, is always, um, and, and people hate this, but it's how I end all of my videos. And I end it by saying, go make things. And it's that mm -hmm. real simple directive that just says like the stuff that's going to come from you and from the aggregation of all of your personal influences, creative influences, um, the way you see the world, that's the thing that's going to draw people to you. And that's the thing really where that's the place where you're able to create the highest value. And so, um, you know, I could say right now what I'm earning the most from, or I could say, you know, eight years ago, what I was earning the most from, and it's changed and it's, I expect it to change all the time. And it changes because it, it changes with what I'm interested in doing or what mm. I'm interested in teaching or what I'm interested in making. And, um, you know, my friend Jason was asking me about this. He's like, yeah, okay. So what should my passive income product be? I'm like, well, what do you like doing? Like, because what the thing that's going to work is the thing that you're interested in and time invested in enough to actually, you know, invest all of the effort that and energy that it takes to make this thing profitable. Like any one of the ideas that you guys talked about in that live stream yesterday, in that Facebook live yesterday, whatever it was, um, that, that could be a profitable passive income stream. It, it totally could. It just, you just have to be interested and invested in it enough to put in the time to make it work. And, you know, look for where you're trying to create value in the marketplace. You know, like my, I'm always trying to turn source information into resources. So just mm. think about how you can do that. I mean, all the people, as I, I'm not on Facebook uh, ever, um, but as I look through your Facebook group um, prior to this conversation, there's, there's so much institutional knowledge locked away in a Facebook group of 7,000 people. And it's great because you're all feeding each other, but think about a way to, to move out from the hive and push that information out and make it accessible to all the people who really, really need it. And, um, it's a challenge. I don't pretend that it's easy to come up with a passive income stream, um, that makes, you know, a hundred dollars a day or $50,000 a year. I, I don't pretend that's easy, but it is certainly possible. And there are, I mean, I hope the fire movement and exploring this has opened people's eyes to the, the fact that a lot of people are doing it. So it, it is possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate this, this conversation today. Um, is, is there, and again, we've, we've touched on a lot of things and of course there's a lot wrapped up in the fire movement. Is there one piece of advice um, that you would have for everybody that's watching and listening right now? I mean, I would say develop your financial plan. Like just sit down and look at what you have and where you want to go. Because 
you really have to do that. It's, it's just a basic fundamental of being a good citizen in the world, being responsible to your family and friends. And, you know, I feel like it's a real healthy thing to do. And I think it's one of those things that is often ignored. And especially if you're busy, like I know all architects are, um, it, it can get ignored, but put a date on the calendar, sit down, look at it as hard as that may be and come up with a plan. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, it's just, you'll feel a lot better and go check out our content on two sides of Fi. Uh, and if yeah. you, and seriously, if people have comments or questions, like I, I actually didn't see any of the questions streaming here. If there are questions, like that's the place to put it on the two sides of Fi YouTube channel. Find there's like two videos on passive income, which are, um, there's some of the most popular videos we have. Throw, drop comments on there and I'll just, you know, I'll go in there and, and answer people's questions because I'm sure we didn't get to all the questions that are here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's, you know, we've, we've had probably uh, over 100 comments stream by, which is awesome. We thank all of you out there for that. Okay. Um, you can see again on your screen in the bottom left corner, uh, two sides of com or the two sides of Fi YouTube channel. Um, but there, there's obviously some overlap there, but both great resources for uh, Eric's project with his friend Jason. Um, and you need to check it out. You, you really do. When I started digging into this, uh, got past the idea of, you know, the mind blowing. Oh, what do you mean retire early? <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, it, it's, it's enjoyable. It's informative. It's challenging. Um, and it's, and there are a lot of great resources there. So I hope everybody will, will check that out. Um, Eric, we really appreciate you making time and, and coming and sharing like, like you always do. You're, you're a giver. I mean, um, you're, you've been producing content that many of us have been consuming for years and, uh, have grown from. So I really appreciate you, uh, taking that to the next level here really oh, yeah. today. No, likewise. And thanks for giving me a chance to talk about the fire movement. And, you know, I hope it, um, I hope it opens some, some doors for people because it really did for me and I, and I hope it changes some lives. So yeah, great. Appreciate all the work you guys are doing. I know how much work putting these podcasts together is now. I fully appreciate that. And making content is just a selfless act. So thank you guys too. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate that too. Um, for those of you out there, of course, we've, appreciate all of you. Thanks for showing up today. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for all of your comments, um, as well as an entire week so far. This is our fourth day in a row of talking about finances and uh, money mindsets and relationship with money and finances. So we really appreciate all of you participating uh, in these conversations this week. And like Eric said, uh, if you want to know, if you want passive income ideas, the goal yesterday on the live stream was to come up with 100 passive income ideas in an hour. I have no idea if we hit that. I lost count, you know, within about Excellent. three minutes. So, um, and I didn't go back and count, but go check it out. There's some ideas in there. You should just steal them, right? And and yes. make them work. Uh, you know, go, go do that work. So um, with that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel, 4 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow we'll be back to our, our uh bi-weekly, I guess it is, feature our member spotlight. I, I've got to start calling it the the mystery member spotlight because you're going to have to guess who our member is uh, that's joining us tomorrow. So we'll do that tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. Of course, we'll be on Clubhouse at 9 a.m. Eastern. To um, What we usually do on those days on Clubhouse is get to know you. So we'll start with a question and just get to know each other and build the community there on Clubhouse 
And um, with that, uh, yeah, we're, we're out. Again, appreciate all of you. Be well, be safe. Please encourage those around you to stay well and safe and uh, find a little bit of time tonight to breathe and rejuvenate a little because we're going to do this over again tomorrow and we're going to start it once again on Monday for another week of Context and Clarity. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate you and hope that we see you somewhere sometime soon. Thank you. Before we go, I want to say thank you to Twin Motion for their support of this episode of Context and Clarity Live. Visit Twin Motion today at twinmotion.link slash clarity and try Twin Motion for free. And also, thank you to Monograph for their support of this podcast episode. To reserve a seat at their first ever interactive virtual conference, visit sectioncut.com today. Thanks for listening to this week's Context and Clarity Live episode. Selfishly, I love these conversations because I get to be the go-between between you and some really incredible guests. To that end, I want to know what you think about today's guest. Message me on the socials. I'm really easy to find. I'm Jeff underscore Eccles everywhere. If you happen to run across a white-haired chiropractor from Austin, Texas, yeah, that's not me. I'm the other Jeff Eccles. Oh, and if you have an idea for a future guest, tell me who it is and why you think they'd be a good guest for one of these conversations. Maybe we can get them on a future episode. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate you, and I'll see you next week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.